Welcome to Inspire Campfire, a podcast where ordinary people tell their stories of extraordinary adventure. These are campfire stories meant to inspire the rest of us to light the fire within, get outside, follow our dreams, and return to tell our own stories. Ready? Let's strike the match. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Scott Wurzbacher, and today we're going to be talking to an adventurer who is also an expert in health, wellness, and mind-body connection. Our guest is Lauren Donahue, and she is a go-getter with a lot of irons in the fire, as I like to say. She's the creator of Unplugged Mornings, a nine-step process to help individuals reconnect back to their true self. She's climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, and she spent almost 60 days living in a cave. And she's competed with over a million people to earn a spot on a competition reality show on NBC. Lauren is a fitness entrepreneur, a personal trainer, a model, and has been recognized in her home city of Los Angeles as a woman of influence. She's appeared in many well-known magazines and seen on major TV network stations. So I first heard Lauren speak on another podcast by our mutual friend, Corey Camp, who is the creator of Forever Athlete Radio. And I am not sure if it was her spirit of adventure, uh, her love of morning routines, or her love of coffee that first caught my attention. But I am so excited to have her on the show and talk about all three today. Lauren, welcome to the campfire. I'm so excited. I wish I had an actual campfire in front of me right now. I do have a candle though, so we're going to pretend like yeah, this is Yeah, there we campfire. go. <laughs> I and love I have it. Coffee. So we have coffee, we have campfire and good conversation before us. I love it. We've got it all going on. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. Um, there, We've got a whole lot to talk about. And I think what I want to do is just dive right into the spirit of adventure. So you've had a lot of different life experiences. And I, and I think um, I think I saw somewhere that it started out as you being in a, a corporate adventure guide. Is that? Is yes, that yes, I I was working for a company and we did corporate team building and youth development. And we had nice. high ropes courses in Malibu and Culver City. And we would help people, you know, take a leap of faith, right? But we had zip lines, we had jumps, we had rock walls. We had, oh, it was really, really fun. So yeah, I would call back then myself an adventure guide and an adventure junkie. And I even changed my Instagram at that time to Wanderlust Athlete because I just love to travel around and yes. I've been an athlete my whole life. So yeah, definitely. <laughs> yes. All right. So you lived in a cave for almost 60 days. Can you <laughs> yes. tell us about that experience? Like what, how, what, what did that look like? Like, tell, can you show, tell, talk about the evolution? Like how did that even happen? Right. Let's just say that's not something that I would consciously sign up for to live okay. in a cave. I had no idea. Someone from my co-ed softball team anonymously submitted me for this show. And I don't think that person, and I don't know who that person is to this day. They have not no. admitted it. And I think it's because they saw what happened and they're like, I'm not going to take not responsibility for that. No. So I, the show was originally called The Fierce Competitor. And so my imagination was, I'm going to be competing for $100,000. I'm going to be jumping out of airplanes, hiking big mountains, and come back in the best shape of my life. <laughs> so that's yeah. why I said yes. 
it was quite the opposite, which makes sense. Cue the name opposite world. So I ended up living in a cave for 60 days instead of traveling the world, going everywhere and coming back in great shape. I became emaciated. I lost 30 pounds. I basically didn't move for 60 days. And it was a wild, wild experience and exactly where I needed to be at the time to learn what I needed to learn and grow. <laughs> yeah. So so you thought you were going to do all of these kind of like maybe high adrenaline sort of experiences. And I mean, there had to be a lot of anticipation around that. Like, can you talk about like, you didn't even know what you were getting yourself into, but you kind of had, you know, some general ideas. Like, can you talk to us a little bit about just sort of that anticipation and, and sort of the feelings around like, and, and just the experience of, of what that sort of buildup and the anticipation was like? I was so excited because at the time I had always wanted to be on the amazing race. And mm. for whatever reason, I thought that's what I had signed that's up for. I thought mind. that's what I was going to do. So I was really excited. I couldn't wait to see the world. I couldn't wait to have that those adrenaline rushes over and over and meet amazing people. And so, yeah, I was really excited. Um, I got to a hotel in Louisiana and became sequestered. So kind of sequestered, quarantined to a hotel room without a balcony, without a way to open the window. So this was kind of the beginning. So it was really more than 60 days, if you count this. I was there for 10 days, not allowed to speak to anybody, not allowed to come out of the room. All technology was taken away. So at this moment, my worldly possessions were starting to be taken away, my way right. to connect with the outside world. No phone, no TV, all that. And But I still had my own clothes, my own things. And after 10 days, someone came to the room, blindfolded me, took my clothes off, put on some other clothes and everything that I owned was taken away. And like, I had not one thing, not even chapstick or a hair tie, literally nothing stripped of all worldly possessions and blindfolded. So I was very confused. I didn't know where I was going. We ended up in a warehouse. Um, that's the first time we saw other people, like who else was going to be there with us. Yeah. At this time, I figured, okay, it was an amazing race. It's naked and afraid because <laughs> we basically <laughs> oh, were no. naked. Yeah, I was like, wow, this is really wild. Then we were put back into the vans and driven what seemed like 10 hours away. And the next time the blindfolds came off, we were in a cave. And we still didn't know what this meant. So there was a lot of mystery from start to finish. There was only six of us, whereas in the warehouse, there was 12. So we mm -hmm. didn't know where the other people went. Um, it was a couple hours later. There was a countdown timer. Uh, the, uh, the curtain dropped and we saw people on the other side. So we were in the past in the cave. The other six people were in the future and we were separated by a glass wall. So this, looking back, was the coolest social experiment that I've ever been a part of. And I feel like anyone would be so lucky to be a part of something like this. Um, the only time we could actually meet was in the present, which is also a really cool thing if you think about it now. Right. But we were looking over at everything they had that we didn't have. And when you do that, that's comparison, right? And it steals your joy. So at some point I suggested to our team, our wolf pack is what we called ourselves, that we stop looking over there at what we don't have and start concentrating on what we do have over here in the cave, which was a bunch of sticks and dirt, but we had each other and we became super happy. We were really content with everything that we had. And that was one of the big lessons that we learned in there is to focus on what we do have and not what we don't have. Yeah. And you guys did that well. And I, I told you before we started recording, I, I actually 
watched the entire series before uh, before we had this call, and and I that was one of the things I definitely picked up on. And you guys had this this sort of bond, and you kind of came together. You know, you're thinking you're going on a TV show, but what you're explaining to me was like doesn't sound like you know, sets, movie sets and like, you know, posh trailers and all that. I mean, like what's going through your mind when they're blindfolding you? And I mean, what did that feel like? Well, what kinds of things are are running through your mind, Lauren? I was scared for sure. Scared and confused because I really had no idea what was going on. And it was the first time I felt completely out of control in my life. I feel like we always have a little bit of control over what we're doing. Uh, Once we got there, I felt like I was in jail. And I also felt like I was homeless because we were sleeping outside in the dirt. It was freezing cold and you couldn't ask for a blanket. You couldn't ask for anything that would be make you more comfortable, right? Like I am a high maintenance sleeper. I need my biggest fan to sleep. I need eye mask, earplugs, so many things. So I had none of that. So you just had to get comfortable with the uncomfortable (laughs) very quickly. And it was just a very... Yeah, I I would say that mixture of being homeless or being in jail. And even in jail, I think you get like three warm meals and a pillow or something, right? So it was interesting to be told no over and over and just know that you couldn't have anything that you wanted. Like this was just a time. And and yeah, when you think of a movie or a set, they're like doing your hair and makeup and you get food and pretty much everything you want, you can ask for and they'll bring it to you. Because I've been in a position like that before. So this was the opposite. It was just... The answer is no, don't even ask. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, I mean, like legit, I mean, you guys had like a little hole to, to go to the bathroom in. you guys were just given basically raw foods, um, to, to eat. I mean, it, you know, there was like, in the, I think in the first episode, you guys had to figure out how to make fire. That was pretty cool to watch. Yeah. And, and that was tough too, because the wood that was in there was wet. So it was really hard to get the fire going. And there were some raw vegetables like carrots and celery. The other things that would be in there weekly would be a dead pig, fish heads. Like these are not cleaned. They're just like chopped in half. So that was something I could not get into. The guys were like down with it and cooking it, but they all got sick. So then we're that hole you're talking about that we're all sharing. <laughs> it's like, okay. Um, that was a, I remember coming out of the show, really not caring anymore. Like if there was a long line yeah. in the women's bathroom, I just went in the men's bathroom because I was so <laughs> used to just going in front of, you know, how it, like guys have urinals and they just go yeah. in front of each other. I, as a lady, started like being fine with that because I had been going in front of everyone for two months of my life. And that world became my reality. Like the outside world didn't exist anymore. So I was actually very, to the outside world when I came out, I was very weird and strange for like a year. Of course. (laughs) Yeah. Of course. So like when you first found yourself in this cave, like, can you talk, like, did you feel disappointed? You know, I was... I'm very up for adventure. I'm very curious. I know that wherever I end up is exactly where I'm supposed to be for my evolution and growth. So I found it funny. I kind of laughed like, oh, ha ha ha, cute. You thought it was going to be this. And guess what? Life is the opposite of that most of the time, right? We have all these plans and exciting things. And then the rug gets pulled out. And it's really how you show up in those moments is how successful you are in your life, right? How are you going to respond versus react? Because my reaction would be, this blows. This isn't what I signed up for. I want to be in the best shape of my life. Um, But the response is, okay, 
let's get curious. Why am I here? What could I learn? I bet I'm going to learn the biggest life lessons I could ever learn here in this moment because millions of people applied for this show. 30 people were brought to Louisiana and, and at this hotel, 12 were selected from that. 12 people out of millions were here for some reason. And I knew that all of us were supposed to meet each other at that time in our life too. And my best friend from that show, met her on the show, has lived above me for three years, which is so cool. Um, one of the other girls who was in the cave with me hiked Kilimanjaro with me. Cool. And we decided in the cave we were going to hike Kilimanjaro. So I met my best friends and I've been on other reality shows too. And that is the thing I would say is because you're unplugged from the chaos and the noise of the world, you actually get to plug into the people you're with and you're 100% present. I actually learned what presence means in the cave. And it's whoever you're talking to is the most important person in the world. So mm -hmm. you right now are the most important person in the world. There is nothing else on my mind that I'm thinking about that I have later, nothing. I'm present. And I learned that in the cave for the first time because uh, I didn't have any other distractions. So it was really cool because I got to not only be present with myself, but be present with others and really get to know people. Yeah, no distractions. You're not you're not flipping through social media. It's just, you know, it's just you in the cave. I'm curious, how long did that take to get used to? I would say seven days. Okay. And and you realize how much time you actually have in the day. I mean, literally one hour felt like 24 hours mm. because we're not distracted. We're not scrolling on social media. We're not doing any of that. So it just felt like we had so much time, which was beautiful. Yeah. And it was time kind of expanded and collapsed. Like we didn't really know day, time, anything like that, but it also then felt like we'd been in there for years. So, so it was like, it's such an interesting thing when we don't have a watch or we don't have a phone and we can't keep track. Like when it got light, you woke up, when it got dark, you went to sleep. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's wild. And then, and then um, there's the whole social experiment aspect of it. Cause I wanted to ask you like, like, what, you know, I know what the, the viewers see as they're watching it, but for you on the inside, like what was that social experiment like? Yeah, it broke me down to my core. I figured out who I was in there. It, it stripped me of everything I knew. It opened my eyes to things. For example, I thought prior to the show, I was the most grateful person in the whole entire world. I was grateful every day I wake up in California and see a palm tree. I'm still grateful. doesn't matter if I've been here 13 years. And I would sign all my emails with gratitude, Lauren. And I just, I was like a very grateful person. Mm -hmm. But I realized I take a lot of things for granted, small things. We didn't get to brush our teeth. I love brushing my teeth like two or three times a day. I like to floss. I like to scrape my tongue. You know, I was using hay to try to floss my teeth and like rub on my teeth. But I realized I take toothpaste and toothbrush and tongue scraper and floss for granted. I take my 18 pillows on my bed for granted. I take my fan for granted, my Nutribullet, my coffee maker. So many things that were so simple and habitual that I do every single day. I was like, wow, we weren't allowed to do any of that. So I realized what actual gratitude was and truly being grateful for every single little thing. And I started a gratitude practice where anytime I started to feel a little funky or a little off, I stop, drop, and write 50 things I'm grateful for. And when I do this with my clients or at retreats, it's very difficult for them to come up with 50 things. But it should be actually really simple because there's so much to be grateful for. So that was something internally that happened. I also didn't necessarily know my purpose or my why for being mm -hmm. here on this mm -hmm. earth. Mm -hmm. I thought 
because I wasn't a professional athlete or professional musician that just God forgot about me, didn't give me a talent. But in there, I realized when I turned off the noise, the chaos, the distractions, that my purpose here, my why is to facilitate relationships so we can live in a more connected world. And how I do that is through retreats, bringing people together, conversations, a conversation like this, right? Someone will hear this. I believe you're only one conversation away from a completely different life. Mm -hmm. Someone will hear something in here that will inspire them and they'll go do something different because of it and get a different result in their life. And they'll think back to this podcast, this conversation, when you said something um, that just lit a fire <laughs> inside yes. of them, right? Yes. Lit a campfire inside of them. And so... Yeah, many, many things um, happened inside my body through those lessons. I'll say one other really, really big lesson was getting stripped of everything that I owned and realizing that in this life, we actually don't own anything. Everything is borrowed. Our parents, our car, our house, our clothes, everything's borrowed. It can be taken away in the blink of an eye, right? So even thinking about that, like I take care of things a little better when they're borrowed because I know I have to give them back. Mm -hmm. And so I just started seeing everything in my life as borrowed. I don't own it. I don't own people. Um, and that was a huge lesson for me to, to yeah. know that, um, to kind of change that, like from that mine mentality, right. Um, into like ours, like it's all ours. Yes. I love that. And, and one of the things that just grabbed me that you said, you figured out who you were in the cave and you were really, you just explained it very well between the gratitude and the purpose and then being stripped of possessions and realizing that everything is borrowed. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, that's, those are kind of the results, but mm -hmm. what, what was it that got you to that point? I think the gratitude you, you, you've obviously explained, you know, brushing your teeth and some of these like daily things that you were taking for granted, but what about like the relationship and that, you know, realizing that your purpose is connecting relationships? Like, I love that, but how did you get to that point? I think it was losing everything and going into the darkness, right? Mm -hmm. The cave is like this darkness. And I feel like I had to go in there because at first when I'm hungry, I'm tired, I'm cold, I'm, I'm angry, right? I'm like, this is not how this is supposed to be. I want to be comfortable. And there's all these things that I know that can make me comfortable right now. And I cannot have them. And so having that whole internal battle with myself of, you know, sometimes we're uncomfortable. And sometimes it's in that uncomfortableness that we actually grow. And so I think it was losing all the weight, like losing my mind, mm -hmm. losing, 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 and being in this dark space that I was actually able to see the light and come out. And that's where my purpose came is from that light of lose everything, take everything away, go into, be willing to go into the darkness and you'll find the light. And so I think that was it for me is I've never got that quiet or that still or been that unplugged, right? I mean, just thinking about outlets, I plug into so many outlets every single day, like right. literal and figurative, right? There were goose egg outlets. There were no outlets. There was nothing for me to plug into besides myself. So it was that plugging into myself internally that allowed me to actually see why I'm here, what my purpose is. Yeah. Lauren, what was that light? You said like you got stripped away of all of it, but then the light came forward. Like what was that light for you? What did it feel like? It was, well, for me, it's God. For me, it's God speaking to me. Um, but it was just this moment where everything, it was kind of that that visual that I was just explaining where we plug into outlets like our fan, our Nutribullet, but we also plug into relationship after relationship, maybe alcohol, 
drugs, retail therapy, we plug into all these things thinking that that is going to bring happiness. So it's like Mm -hmm. external things, external validation versus internal validation and plugging into ourself. So it's when I saw that visual of like actually reaching for those cords and unplugging all of those cords from the external outlets and plugging all into me that my whole life made sense. It was like a movie played back really quickly and connected all the dots. So it all happened like in this moment of this vision. And I realized, oh, that all had to happen for me to be right here right now. So my life made sense. Um, I knew that like the relationships, I didn't get the jobs, I didn't get the moves, all the things like where I felt like it was the end of my life and it was a total breakdown, all were for a purpose. Mm -hmm. And from that moment forward, I realized no matter what I'm going through, I can be in the biggest struggle financially, relationally, any of that, but I know it's all for a purpose and I know it's all temporary. I know I'll get through it. And so I think that was a big thing too, is I'm like, it's just temporary. And in five days or five years or whatever, you're gonna look back and it won't be that big of a deal. And so it was a way for me to get through things um, a lot faster than I did before. No, I, I appreciate all of that. It makes it makes a lot of sense. And then I like I'm thinking too about the people side of it when you were there in that cave, because you always like you always had and you were a fan favorite. I'm not going to give anything away on the show. People need to go on and watch Opposite World. But but Lauren always had that smile right there. You know, oh. you always had this real positive energy and you were you were like to the rest of that group. And I think you were somebody that was kind of bringing the rest of the group together, but you were always about like the relationships with the other people. So I'm kind of thinking, you know, what we see is just what's on TV. Um, and that's just the, the clips, but I know you were there for a lot longer. So I'm thinking like, what did you guys do to entertain yourselves? And how did the relationship side inside the cave, like have an impact on all of these things that we're talking about, the purpose and the possessions and the gratitude? I'm glad you brought that up because that's one of the key things of how I figured my purpose out of Mm -hmm. being facilitating relationships so we can live in a more connected world because human connection became really important to me. Then I knew before, like I was doing events and retreats and things prior to this, but I realized that in that cave, we were surviving together, (laughs) surviving. The other side was thriving. We were surviving But that was more important because whatever each person needed, we were there for them. And it made me think my grandfather, he always used to say, if I told him thank you for something, he would say, I'd do the same for a friend. And when he said that, I felt not special. Like, oh, well, you would do the same for a friend. But what I understand now that he meant by that is whoever is in need at the time is who we're going to all show up for. So if one person tripped and fell and hurt their ankle, all of us are helping that person. If someone's hungry, we're all cooking the food to feed that person. If someone's cold, like this was a real thing. It was so, so cold. I think it was like negative 13 at some point, like sleeting ice. We're coughing up blood. We're blue. It's, It's not great. But we all couldn't be by the fire. So there were six of us and we would have to rotate throughout the night. So it was like, okay, this person's by the fire. They're thawed out. Now they move to the back of the line. Everyone rolls forward and you just kind of move up. So it's like we were working together as a team. And that, that led to me realizing how important human connection is. Like we cannot be isolated. We were not meant to do life alone. We were meant to do it together. And it really does take teamwork to survive. We needed every single person doing their part for us to make it through. And that's the same thing out, outside of the cave too. There's a lot of people in our life that play really important roles and not one person is gonna fill all the roles. And I think a lot of times we do put that on one person, maybe a significant other partner, business partner, 
but it's actually a lot of people coming together. So definitely one of the other lessons in there was um, the importance of human connection and we found lots of ways to keep ourselves busy. We had fun games with like slap the hand or come up with movie names based on the last letter of the name. So we were coming up with things. We didn't have cards. We didn't have dominoes. We yeah. didn't have puzzles, right? But we just came up with any kind of like fun games we knew we could do like, hey, we'll do a deep, deep. Oh, we did like dance games and stuff. We came up with different dances. Super funny. That just came to me. But yeah, we just, we got creative and we kept ourselves very entertained. <laughs> I mean, it seemed like you guys had fun over there. We had a lot of fun. I would say yeah. we had a lot of fun. Like I said, it took about seven days until we all adapted. We Our bodies kind of formed in the dirt. So we kind of had our little sections where we yeah. would be. Um, and we got used to it. And, and we could have, I think we could have just kept living that way after seven days. Yeah. So one thing that just came to me as you were talking, you know, the connect, the human connection, obviously, it's so important. But I'm wondering now, like in the social experiment that that show was, it seems like in survival mode, connection really matters. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. I'm wondering on the other side of the glass, did it matter as much? You know, what's actually really interesting is that they were doing everything very separately. Uh, one person would be in the kitchen, one person in the living room, one person in the bathroom. So they weren't doing all those things together and they weren't very connected. And you can probably see it on the show where us in the cave, the wolf pack, we were a family. Yeah, we would do anything for each other Right over there. They were kind of like acquaintances, like neighbors, like, hi, you know, I kind of know you, but I don't really know you stay out of my space. This is kind of my area, you, you know, but I don't think that that equals success right like if it really came right. down to it like who's gonna win the people that come together right and i think even america was kind of rooting for us because they're like oh they're a team and they're coming together and i think that in life that works the same way that if yeah. people see um others being like i can do this all on my own or self-made that's my favorite one self-made millionaire self-made right. i'm like really well, you think yeah. that there was nobody in your life that that got you i'm like I have about a million people starting from the time I was born that helped me survive, right. kept me right. alive and fed me and bathed me. And then I had teachers and coaches and friends and every single person played a role in my success today. So yeah, I think that it's, it, we're in denial if we think we did it all on our own and, and you could see that on the show on both sides. Yeah. It's really interesting. And I had a little bit of a light bulb. This whole podcast, Inspire Campfire, is a, a lot of it is centered around people's adventures, but it's also about that thing that calls us to adventure. And so many people have come on here and talked about, like, as I ask them, like, what is the thing that calls you to adventure? They talk about like getting into nature because in nature they feel this sort of sense of peace. Like there's no distractions. They're not keeping up with the Joneses. And I'm just like, I'm almost, I'm almost hearing that from you. Like when you were in that cave, like that's what happened. And while you were there, like you rediscovered mm. how important human connection is. Do you think that's why people go out to the woods? To reconnect with themselves. Yeah. And with others. And with others. Yeah. I, yesterday I was driving and I wanted to move my legs because it was a longer drive. So I'm like, I'll do a, I'll do a mile hike. And I ended up going for almost eight miles <laughs> and I, cause I loved it. And my yeah. phone lost service. I was disconnected. So it's a moment where I get to reconnect with myself. And when I'm more connected to myself, I can be more connected to others, right? It's kind of that fill your cup up first, serve others from the overflow. So yes, I get my most creative ideas out there. I feel the most alive out there because there is a little bit it's that same sense of 
when they blindfolded me and I didn't know where I was going, I had never done this trail before. I ended up doing four different trails and was fully unplugged. No, I didn't have a map with me. I didn't really know where it ended. And, and sometimes what the cool thing is, I only saw a couple people throughout, but you also stop and talk to people. Mm -hmm. Whereas we don't really do that in life. We're, we're so reliant on our device, on our phone, to tell us the GPS, to show us the map, all that, that we don't stop and talk to people. So I love that about hiking because I don't wear headphones. And there was a girl at the creek and I was like, is this, can you get to Deer Valley Loop from here? And she goes, yeah, I'm coming back. Let me show you. So she was able to show me and tell me about her experience. And I thought, yeah, back in the day, you would stop at a gas station and ask someone if you were lost, right? Like you wouldn't just be like, my phone's dead. I no longer can move forward. <laughs> so yeah, very true. Getting back to that human connection. Was this experience in the cave on Opposite Worlds, was was this sort of a catalyst for some of the things to come? Absolutely. Yeah. My entire life changed after that cave. I started a company called Unplugged, about mm -hmm. disconnecting to reconnect back to yourself. The idea of not being able to plug into anything or any outlets. I would take people to national parks and we would turn our phones off for four days and we would just drop in and connect, right? So a lot of what happened in that cave, I recreated in my business and found it to be so valuable and beneficial for people and very transformational. They were like, wow, I haven't ever turned my phone off for four days, <laughs> right? Like ever. And I mean, even for a couple of hours when you go for a hike is so beautiful. But yeah, because of that cave, started different businesses, decided to do more unplugged things. I would have never hiked Kilimanjaro if yeah. I wasn't in that cave. And, and that experience of Kilimanjaro changed my life. I also went for, I actually, you know, got asked to do other shows and said yes, just because I wanted them to take my phone away for two months. Nice. I'm like, yeah, yeah, take my phone. Here's my computer. Everyone else was like upset and crying. And I'm like, take everything. Here you go. And I'm all ready to go. So I then after that have wanted to create more experiences like that for myself personally and for others. So yeah, it completely changed my life. It gave me a new sense of like what actual human connection is, presence, gratitude, um, what we actually don't own in this life, which is everything. So yeah, I mean, I those lessons will never leave me. I'm so grateful for the experience. Had I known what it was, I never would have signed up for it. I never would have said yes, but that's kind of how life works. We get planted and placed in certain areas to grow. And if you're willing to do it and kind of water yourself in the process, then it'll be a pretty beautiful plant that comes out of it, which is you. It takes a lot of courage to, to just say yes. Somebody nominates you and you just say yes and you go. I mean, was there like, was there a choice in this? Was there like, were there fears and doubts that kind of kept you from moving forward? Yeah, I was very surprised when I got the phone call in the first place that someone had anonymously submitted me for the show. Um, and it was a, it was a long series. It was over six months of like more calls, producers, all these different things to get to that point. And I kept thinking in my head, if they put me into the next round, then it's meant to be, if they put me in the next round, cause I, I wasn't attached to the outcome of it happening. And even those 10 days in the hotel room, because I had no technology, we did have books and I was reading and I felt like my life already changed so much from 10 days of being disconnected from technology. Mm -hmm. I remember telling God, Hey, you can send me home. I've learned so much. I'm a different person. I'll never be the same. Or if there's still more for me to learn, keep me here. And they came and got me. So I was like, all right, I'm supposed to be here. All right. What are the other lessons I haven't learned? So yeah, I, I highly recommend taking time, silent retreats, going away into the woods. You don't have to do a show or hike Kilimanjaro, but turn your phone off. 
Yeah. So before the show, were you, did, did you consider yourself a go-getter before the show? Yeah, I think I've always had an adventure junkie spirit, a go-getter. I'm, I'm a yes person. I've yeah. said yes my whole life. It, I realized too, there are certain things, you know, when you're saying yes to everything, you're saying no to someone, which is sure. you. So I, I try to make sure that I'm saying yes to things that will expand me, open my eyes, put new lenses on, things like that, and not just yes to everything. But when it comes to travel, adventure, fun stuff, it's usually a yes. You figured out where your priorities are in that cave, didn't you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Core yeah. values. And now people ask me what my core values are. And, you know, you have faith, fitness, fit. I'm like, people. Just people. And I, I know that's been, I call myself a relationship billionaire because I just have the best relationships. And that's because I have deep, meaningful conversations and I'm present with the people when I'm with them. So I actually get to know them. And I think that that's just been like a really um, valuable thing in my life and why I know so many people. People are like, you have so many friends. And I really do. I have my core too that I go to, but I just know a lot of people and I've always had really good interactions with people. I love that you just said relationship billionaire. So I'm going to ask you a question because, you know, relationship build billionaire. I mean, so many people, when the word success comes up, like immediately like go to like financial success. That's the first, that's the first measure. But I'm mm -hmm. curious for you, Lauren, like how do you define success? Relationships, like the quality of my relationships, who I can count on, who has my back. It has nothing to do with my bank account whatsoever. When I think of success, it's like, how do I make people feel? Right. Like after they're in my presence, do they need to take a nap or do they want to run a marathon? Like, I hope that they want to run a marathon, start a new business and not need a nap. I want to be a charger, not a drainer for people. And so I measure success on the, the level, the quality, the caliber of my relationships. That's awesome. And I know that the, the, the ventures that you've created after the show and after Kilimanjaro are feeding right into that. So the first one, just to take a minute, um, your unplugged mornings. Can you just give us a quick overview of that? I'm somebody that's just totally committed to my morning routine. It's, it's an essential part of my day. And so yeah. when you talked about that with Corey, I was immediately that had my attention. Yeah. So after the cave experience, I wanted everyone to have this unplugged time. And I'm like, okay, well, I can't say go do a reality show or hike Kilimanjaro. I mean, I can say that. Um, but what would be available to people every day that's free and accessible and something they can do first thing in the morning, right? So waking up in the morning, you're the most vulnerable. You've been sleeping for eight hours. You're dehydrated. You got to chug that water real quick. But this is the time where you could reach for your device and see a text message or see an email, something you forgot to do, and be so affected and reactive to that versus, hey, let me wake up, take some deep breaths, drink my water, maybe put a meditation on, journal a little bit, and actually fill up your cup first, like we said earlier, so you can serve from that overflow. So before you plug into the chaos and the noise of the world, plug into yourself and that same email or that same text message is still going to be there, but you'll be more responsive versus reactive. So you may say, thank you for your patience. I really appreciate you versus don't you know everything I'm doing in my life right now? <laughs> I'm so busy. And so, yeah. And so I was like, okay, what's a nine step process that people can do every morning in 10 minutes or less, right? If you do one minute on each of those, and that's where Unplugged Mornings was born. I think I was running when like Unplugged Mornings came to me. And then my grandpa loves acronyms. So I'm like, let me use Unplugged and come up with all the steps, right? So I take everyone through those steps and I've created a an entire retreat around Unplugged. I've 
um, created PDFs and talks and all kinds of stuff, but it's been a beautiful practice for myself. And just those 10 minutes of making yourself a priority and saying that you matter, it's like making your bed in the morning. It's like, what is that first thing? Or like hitting snooze because when you hit snooze, you're breaking a promise to yourself, mm, the very first right. one that you had. And so I think same thing with if you don't fill up your cup first and do the things that make you feel good and bring you joy, then you're going to project that stuff out onto other people. And you're going to blame other people for the reason why you're not filled up and happy when it's all our responsibility. So that's a little bit about where and why Unplugged was that. born and why it's a very valuable practice. And, and I just find I think that time in the morning is just so, so important to give that gift to yourself. And uh, so people are going to need to to come find you online to find out what those nine steps are and to find out more about the unplugged morning. But I, I, I got to ask one thing. So we're talking about filling up the cup. So mm -hmm. during that morning routine, Lauren, is it okay if we put coffee in that cup? Mm -hmm. Happy to be here. This is my happy to be here mug. <laughs> I've got my lolly coffee in there. Uh, drink water first, though. I always say that. Drink your water first. Get everything. Get that machine rocking and rolling. And then add in your coffee. I drink mine black. I don't put anything in it. And um, I, I found that it was the stuff I was putting in it that was actually affecting me more. But I love coffee in the morning to get me going. It's it's a it's an experience. I love the smell. I love the taste. It gets me in a creative mood. So yes, put coffee yes. in your cup in the morning. So, so much that your latest venture might have a thing or two to do with coffee. Can you tell us about that? Yes, in uh, March of last year, my Instagram account got hacked and instead of reacting and freaking out, like my mom thought I was going to do, she's like, this is kind of a big deal. This is your entire business, which it was. I had brand deals and if I can't post, I don't get paid and I can't promote my stuff. But I just went and I did my unplugged morning and I journaled, I reflected, I was drinking coffee and in the back of my head, I heard my grandpa say, the cream will always rise to the top. And I looked at my coffee. <laughs> that didn't have cream in it, but I got the, you know, the quote, the analogy, everything it's, and he would say, you know, you might not always get everything that you want in life in the timing that you want it to be in. And you see other people get to the quote unquote top before you, and they may very well deserve to be there, or they may lie, cheat, steal, and step on people to get there. And it won't be sustainable long-term. But if you have integrity, you tell the truth, you show up, you're a leader and you're patient. When you get to the top, you get to stay there. So I just, in that moment, was like, coffee. I'm going to do coffee. Like I love coffee. I drink it every day. It's so authentic. It's so fun to talk about. And what does it do? Bring people together. Hey, want to get together and have a coffee? Want to meet up? Right? So facilitate relationships so we can live in a more connected world. So I decided to do coffee and I decided to honor my grandfather and donate to Parkinson's foundation and name my first roast after him, which is the Raleigh roast. And the awesome. name of the company is Lauren and Raleigh, myself and my grandpa put together for Lolly which happened to be my nickname growing up. Um, so it is all revolving around my grandfather and I will never quit or give up because he'll always be in the back of my head as my why and reminding me that the cream will always rise to the top. The cream will rise to the top. And you're speaking to my heart because I am I, I am a coffee fanatic and I will be going online after this to order myself a bag of lolly coffee. So um, <laughs> hopefully you. our listeners will as well. That's super exciting. And I, I can't wait to kind of follow that journey and, and watch the brand grow. Oh, um, thank you. 
So Lauren, I really appreciate you coming on here and talking with us today. This has been really great. So I think like, I want to go back to like right before the show, like when, when the adventures all sort of started, you know, you were somebody that had the courage to say yes to this like random nomination that you didn't even know where it came from. And you said yes. And you went after it. I'm curious um, for those that are listening, if, you know, they've kind of felt that call to adventure, but maybe have felt some fears and doubts around, you know, do I do it? Do I not do it? Like, you know, and then they start coming up with different excuses and reasons why they can't. What are your advice for those people? It's in those moments that I said yes to the call to adventure that my life completely changed for the better. So I highly recommend if you're getting the call, if you're getting the nudge and it scares the bejeebies out of you um, to do it. Cause that's it, right? I, there was a quote I used to read every day that everything you've ever wanted is on the other side of fear. I used to see fear and like screech to a stop and turn around and run the other direction. It wasn't until I started seeing fear as my friend and my North star saying, come this way, follow me. And I actually pushed through and drove through and went through the fear that I really did start getting everything that my heart desired for my life. So I would say if it scares you a little bit and it's not too dangerous, right? then go for it and see what happens on the other side. Oh my gosh. I everything you've ever wanted is on the other side of fear. Yeah. That's Make fear a friend, your North That's star, run to it. <laughs> All right. So last two questions that I ask everybody that comes on the podcast, because they're going to make a movie about your life. And is there an actress that is going to play you in that movie, Lauren? So I thought about this and I, I don't really follow, I didn't really watch TV or movies and stuff growing up. So I don't know a lot of like actors and actresses, but it would just be a funny one. Like Amy Schumer, like it would just be humorous. There'd be a lot of dad jokes. <laughs> so anyone funny is who would play my role. Um, Cause I'm just very like out, out of left field. Like you would never guess the things that I would say. So yeah, someone really funny. That's just like willing to be themselves and put it all out there. And then you said, what was what, what would the name of, of your movie be? Yeah. The name of my movie would be, it's your time. Like mm. it's your time. You're never late. So like it would be, you're never late for your own journey, right? Like it's your time. You could be 30, 40, 50, 60, whatever that like is inside of you. Um, that's stirring your campfire, like whatever that is, you're not too late for your own journey. So show up. It's your time. Go for it. Great wisdom. I'm going to see that movie for sure when it comes out. Lauren, thank you so much. You've really inspired me. I know you've inspired our listeners. And to those that are listening, I hope you've been inspired today as much as I have. And I hope that Lauren's story has encouraged you to listen to the voice inside that calls you to adventure because we want to hear your story next. And if you have a story to tell or need a nudge to create one, please send an email to me. And until next time, I want to encourage you to get outside. Thank you for listening. Lauren, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me.